Uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to um, John chapter 13. Tell you what, it's always wonderful to hear testimonies, and um, especially about what the Lord has done in people's lives, and that's the evidence that um, of a Christian, you know, what the Lord has done. We're not talking about experiences and ooey-gooey feelings that overcome us, but what God has done and changed. And um, He's made us for the better. And, um, you know, I was just talking to Jennifer this week, and um, this October, or sorry, this November, is going to be my 17th year of being saved. And um, I'm looking forward to November 16th, because... Uh, I'll now long. I'll be more a Christian in my life than I was before I was lost. And uh, for me, that's always been a goal and desire to, you know, I, I don't even remember my 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 life before I, I got saved. And and um, I'm thankful for what God has done for me in the last 17 years. And He's taken me places. And I mean, it's just been it's been an amazing journey. And I'm just looking forward to the years to come and see what God does. And um, so it's just amazing when you when you get opportunities to serve the Lord and and let Him lead you and let Him guide you. I mean, He'll He'll let you experience things that you'll never dream, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and tonight, I just want to focus a little bit. You know, this month we've been um, <clears throat> we're going to be learning about the importance and significance of loving the brethren, and um, this is a very important commandment that Jesus is giving to us. Uh, if you look here in John 13, verses 34 and 35. Now, verse 35 is our memory verse this year, or for this month. Um, but 34 is just as important. It kind of uh, sets up the, the the following verse, so to speak. <clears throat> and uh, in John 13, 34, Jesus here is he's saying, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have one, if you have, if ye have love one to another. And um, as we've already looked last week, and as Brother Dan and, and Pastor had mentioned, um, these two verses were spoken by Jesus after Judas had left to betray him. And so uh, Jesus is now with his remaining eleven disciples, and for the next four chapters, he's going to be teaching them intimately about um, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ, and what uh, different things that he's going to be talking about, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's going to have some great doctrine that he's going to teach them that it was after um, Judas had left. Um, but right from the start, Jesus gives a new commandment for them to live by. And when they heard it, they probably had a hard time understanding it. Each of the men had experienced the love of Jesus, but I'm sure they were confused by the significance and difficulty that this commandment would bring. You see, the disciples probably each had a different idea of what it meant to show and express love. You see, had, had verse 34 said, you know, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, if it just stopped right there, um, it could have been a very difficult command to understand and to achieve. I mean, each one of these men, they probably they probably understood love or had different thoughts about love, you know, as they grew up and as they became men. And, and here now they're being told you're supposed to love one another. 
they probably were wondering, well, you know, they had different views of what love actually was. And so, I mean, if you look at today's world, uh, the world's view of love is constantly changing. Uh, as we look at um, last year's referendum here in Ireland, uh, that was their whole slogan is, is love. Why can't we let them love each other? And uh, so the world's always got a skewed view of love. And had Jesus just said, just love each other, you know, that's what the world thinks. Oh, we just need to love one another. We just need to love each other. Um, but the game changer, so to speak, is the following portion that Jesus actually said. He said, not only I a new command I give unto you that you love one another, but here's the key. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. You see, Jesus had already showed them how they were supposed to love one another. He's already demonstrated it. Um, and with the ministry that he's been having with the last three and a half years with these men, now, granted, he hasn't gone to the cross, and that was the ultimate show of love for, for us all, uh, but for the last three and a half years, he has showed them how he has loved them. Uh, so this evening, I would like to, to look at just one of the many ways of how to love the brethren, with Jesus setting the example. Tonight, I want to look at how to love the brethren with words with words. You see, uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. See, our words are probably one of the most powerful instruments that we have. They express our deepest thoughts and desires, not only just to write them down, but in, express, in expressing them to others. Uh, whether it's words that are spoken, read, signed in sign language, written, they contain a lot of power behind them. And uh, tonight, as I was looking at this, and uh, there is so much how Jesus actually showed his disciples how he loved them. Uh, I mean, he, just by different actions, different... But tonight, I just want to focus on, on just the words alone. He used three different types of words that I want to look at this evening and how he showed his love for them. Uh, the first words that I want to share with you tonight is words of encouragement and comfort. You see, the first types of words are for those who are discouraged and defeated. These are for those who are overwhelmed with a burden or many burdens and they are carrying that they're carrying in their life. Now, all of us have had bad days. I mean, sometimes we just have bad weeks and bad months. That's uh, just natural in our life. And uh, we face days that just discourage us. I mean, you wake up and you just wish you'd go back to bed because it just you just feel like, oh, this was just a horrible day. And it's during these times of our life that words of encouragement and comfort can do us the most good and is an expression of love. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 16. Let's go look at a couple of scriptures real quickly tonight. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Uh, if you turn over to Proverbs 15, 23, chapter back, It says here, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, 
How good is it? And also look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. says here, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it to stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. See, our words can really help people. They can encourage. They can strengthen. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard getting through the day. It's hard just to, to, to get through the week. Um, especially, you know, I mean, I don't understand how people can just come Sunday morning. I'm just being honest with you. You know, you come Sunday morning and then, you know, for the next six days, you're battered, you're beaten, you're hammered by the devil and by the world, and uh, and you come in on Sunday morning and you're dragging, you know, trying to recoup from the wounds that you've had all week. You need more than just Sunday morning. That's why we have Sunday night. That's why we have Wednesday. It, it's it's a chance to, uh, to patch us back up and get us back out in the world again and, and be a testimony for Christ. Um, church is important, and... Um, and when we uh, have opportunities to encourage and comfort those with our words, that's actually a show of love. We're actually showing them that we care about them. Um, and this evening, I, when I look at each one of these different words, I want to show you what Jesus actually did, what, how Jesus spoke, because it's going to show you that this is how he showed his love by, through these types of words. Now, the first scenario I want to look at for this one is uh, John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse number 15. John chapter 21, verse number 15. So it says here, When they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. See, uh, Peter was coming off a pretty serious defeat in his life. He had betrayed Christ. Uh, he had, you know, just actually just a couple of verses after John 13, 35, you know, Peter says, I'll not forsake you. You know, I'll die with you. And, uh, and, John, and Jesus says, you know, tonight you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And um, so here, you know, you see Peter, he's out fishing again and um, and so, John, or so Jesus is taking this time to encourage Peter, to restore maybe Peter's faith that maybe he, you know, because he betrayed Jesus, he wasn't worthy. He wasn't qualified again to, to be a disciple, to be a leader. And so Jesus had to take him aside and say, you know, and, and when he, he said it three times, it, it really, I think, sunk into Peter's heart that, yeah, I do love you. I do love you. You know, even though, yeah, I know I, I messed up, I blew it, but I do love you. And here, um, so Jesus is comforting Peter. Look at um, John chapter 11 real quick. <clears throat> Verse number tw- uh, 19. John eleven nineteen. 
Now the backstrap, the or the backstory to this um, this portion of scripture is that Lazarus had died, and uh, Jesus was away and and waited four days before um, he came back because um, he wanted to to prove that he had power over death. And uh, and so here Jesus is now returning to Bethany, and um, verse number nineteen says that and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Martha was broken. She trusted Christ that, I mean, they sent to Jesus, you know, hoping, expecting Jesus would, would hurry and come back and that he would heal Lazarus before, Laz, you know, before something serious happened to Lazarus. And Jesus didn't come. He didn't come when she expected him. He didn't come when she, when, you know, she knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. And so it probably perplexed her thinking, why didn't he come? I mean, he was like a brother to him. You know, we, we loved him. We had such sweet fellowship, and yet Jesus didn't come when I when I needed him the most. And um, and so I'm 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 pretty sure she was pretty broken about that. Maybe even had a little bit of bitterness. And and uh, and so when Jesus came and uh, we read that portion of scripture, and and he told her, you know, he said, "Thy brother shall rise again." I mean, that's comforting words. I mean, you know, yes, she said, "Well, yeah, yeah, he's gonna he'll he'll rise again in the last day." But he wasn't talking about the last day. He was talking about later that day that he, she was going to see a miracle take place and that her brother was going to be restored unto her. But she trusted and she put her faith in the comfort that Jesus gave her. When he spoke to her, she said, okay, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And that's when she sent word to Mary and saying, the master's here. And um, so these words comforted Martha. Uh, turn with me real quick to Matthew chapter 28. Now, not only is this portion of Scripture the last commandment that Christ gave to His disciples, but to me, I think it's also one of the greatest comforts as well. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. But these, this next portion of Scripture, I think, has, has brought comfort to so many Christians. Uh, I, I know it probably brought comfort to them as they're going to be now going into all the world and they're going to be facing persecution and, and facing um, you know, death and everything else. But this portion of Scripture, I think, was an encouragement to them. It said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of of the world. He was giving them comfort, saying, no matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, I'm there with you. 
I'm there beside you. I'm here for you. I'm there for you. You, you don't have to worry. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to uh, discard you for whatever you do in your life. I'm going to be with, there, with you all the way to the end of the world. And uh, I think that brought great comfort to the disciples. Not only did Jesus give us and give them words of encouragement and comfort, but he also gave them words of counsel. The second type of words are for those seeking counsel or to help someone with whatever their issues in life may be. Having someone who offers counsel because they care about you and want you to stay out of danger is good counsel, and it shows their love for you. You may see another person making some bad decisions, so you offer them counsel to avoid, for them to avoid sin and potential issues that they may face because of the consequences. Now, some of us have made bad decisions in our past, and we have the scars to prove it. We can help others avoid those same scars with counsel that is done in love. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise uses, useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You see, you read throughout the, the, the Gospels, and I mean, it is full of counsel after counsel after counsel that Jesus gave not only just to his disciples, but also to the people who came to, to Jesus looking for help. And he could have turned them away and said, you know, I, I don't have time for you. But he didn't. Instead, he dealt with their heart and tried to get their focus on God and the future kingdom. Um, let's look at Luke chapter 18 real quickly. Verse number 18, so Luke 18, 18, <clears throat> says here, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and, their, and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. So here comes this young man. He wants to know, How, how can I inherit eternal life? And, uh, and so Jesus tells him, you know, he's, he's been a good Jew. He's tried and he's obeyed the Ten Commandments. He's tried to follow the commandments that, that was in the Old Testament. Jesus said, you know what, there's one thing that you have in your life that just is not perfect. You love your treasures too much. You love your worldly possessions too much. Now, he was saying this because he knew this young man, that was where his heart's desire was. It wasn't on, really on God, it was on these treasures. And so when uh, he told this young man, sell everything, he knew that it would be a very hard thing for this man to do. And in other portions of Scripture, the young man walks away, and he doesn't follow Christ. Um, but here, Jesus, he came to Jesus for counsel. He said, what do I have to do? And Jesus gave him the answer in love. But it was up to him whether or not he took the counsel. 
And as you can see, he didn't take the counsel. And, uh, and for us, it's a good illustration of, um, you know, when, we, when someone gives us counsel, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to say, ah, I don't need to listen to that? Or are you going to say, okay, you know, thank you for taking the time to invest in me. And, um, and, you know, maybe you need to take that counsel. Another situation is Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You know, he, comes to, he came to, to, to Jesus because he wanted to know how he could have everlasting life as well. And, um, and so Jesus told him that, you know, he must be born again. And, um, you know, I'm sure he probably thought that was a, a strange thing. And, um, you know, we find out later throughout Scripture that Nicodemus, Nicodemus gets saved. He becomes a follower of Christ. And is one of those that helps um, anoint the, the body of Jesus before they put him in the tomb. Um, you know, and so he offered him the counsel, but Nicodemus took it to heart. He didn't just throw it away. You know, he may have had to dwell on it for a while and say, you know, what Jesus told me, that was good. And as, you know, you read different portions of scriptures, because he was a ruler of the synagogue, and uh, when the other Pharisees, you know, had plans to, to kill him, Nicodemus kind of piped in and said, eh, we, we shouldn't kill this man, you know. And, um, and so they started turning on him as well. But um, Nicodemus took the counsel that Jesus gave him. And uh, he took it to heart, and Nicodemus got saved. The last words I want to share with you tonight is words of reproof. Sometimes the most difficult way of showing someone you love them and truly care about them is when you have to reprove them. It's something that we don't want to do. Nobody likes to reprove somebody or to be reproved. But in reality, sometimes we all need it. We all need to be reproved. Um... Proverbs 17.10 says, A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Proverbs 15.32 says, He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. See, if I'm doing something that a Christian should not do, and and it's something that could bring reproach to this church and to the name of Christ, then I need to be reproved and corrected. I need, to be, I need someone to confront me about it and say, you know what, you're doing wrong. You're, do, you're not doing the right thing. You shouldn't be doing this as a Christian. Uh, you shouldn't be doing this because, you know, whether or not you realize it, you're giving a testimony to this community about the church. And each one of us carries that burden. You know, each one of us, uh, you know, not only with the church, but with, with, uh, with what Christ has done for us. And, um, you know, and so when we're starting to, to turn away and start doing things back in our sin again, we need to be re- re- reproved about it. Uh, especially when someone starts to believe crazy doctrines. They need to be rebuked and corrected. Especially when it could cause weaker Christians to stray from the faith. I mean, sometimes you have to do it. You know, you start believing some, uh, some of these wacky doctrines that are out there. You say, you know what? You're wrong. You, uh, you know, Scripture doesn't back that up. This is what Scripture says. And you need to correct them uh, before they start to begin to, to bring other uh, weaker Christians away from the faith. Um, we also need to have, um, we need to have godly friends um, that will not be ashamed or afraid to reprove and correct us when we do wrong or when we lose our focus on making God our, prius, our, our greatest priority. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Uh, you know, when you use a knife, you know, after a while, that knife goes dull, doesn't it? 
And, uh, and sometimes, you know, we, we try to serve Christ and we get weary. Uh, again, we, you know, we're, we're living in this world. We're not monks and we're hiding in little monasteries. We deal with the world. And sometimes the world beats us up. Sometimes the world dulls us. Sometimes it makes us, you know, we, we're not living a, for Christ like we should. You know, maybe we, we stop putting our heart into the ministries that, that we get to serve and, uh, or we don't see the, the need for going to church on, on Wednesdays or Sunday nights and, and we start to, to stray away from the faith and, uh, because we're starting to get dull. And that's when it's good to have a good friend that will come up and say, you know what, you need to get back to serving God. And, you, need, you know, maybe they, there's some things in our that we're doing wrong and, and they can address those and, and it sharpens us back up again and we can serve God even stronger than what we were before. Uh, reproving someone sometimes is the only way that they'll grow and correct their mistakes and character, especially when they start to go back to their life of sin. Uh, but when a person sins, we're not supposed to shoot the wounded. Um, you know, sadly, Christians shoot them. You know, shoot each other, and we destroy each other. When someone is hurting, we just kind of let them off, and we don't go back and help them. Um, and that's not how a Christian should be. When a person sins, we're supposed to reprove and restore those who are saved that start walking after their flesh again. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to just leave them and say, good luck, you know, God bless you. No, we're supposed to help them, encourage them, get them back up to serving God again. That, is supposed, that should be the focus of, and of why we reprove somebody and why we try to help others. Um, we learned last month that God shows his love toward us by rebuking and correcting us. Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. You know, sometimes we, we, we start going astray, and God has to rebuke us. He has to chasten us. He has to reprove us. And, um, and He does it because He loves us. And that should be our motivation as well. When we see someone start to stray from the faith, I mean, don't get in their face and just be belligerent about it. There's a right way of reproving somebody. Um, you know, and you need to, to be wise when doing so because, again, reproof is something that we don't like. <laughs> And uh, and sometimes it can go the wrong way, even though we may say even though we may say what they what they need to hear, uh, sometimes it could be the wrong timing, and you have to be wise and ask God for wisdom if you know you ever have to to talk to somebody like that. Um, just a couple of scenarios real quickly before we finish up. Uh, Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. Even Jesus had to rebuke his disciples. And I'm sure it wasn't always a pleasant situation, but he had to do it to correct them. Luke uh, 9, verse 49. says here, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass, when time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. See, they didn't understand. You know, They thought, well, uh, because Jesus was focused on going to Jerusalem, and, and so that's why the Samaritans didn't, walk, didn't have a, a, a place for them to stay. And the disciples didn't understand that. So they thought, well, you know, they're refusing us, you know, because they're Samaritans, you know. And, and uh, you know, and the Jews already had animosity towards the Samaritans anyway. And, uh, and so they said, well, let's just, consume, you know, can we, can we just call a fire and just burn them all up, you know. And uh, they're not worthy anyway. And, um, and Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not the right spirit. That's not the right spirit of, of, of any Christian. You know, they weren't concerned about their souls. They weren't concerned about nothing about the Samaritans. And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy them. I came to save them. And, uh, and so he had to reprove them. And, and I think it was a, a lesson that James and John took to heart. Because John's whole life changed. And he focused on the love of Christ. He focused on loving the brethren, loving those who are lost, not trying to consume them with fire, not trying to destroy them. And so that rebuke, I think, changed James and John's perspective of the importance of a soul. Um, Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse number 13. Matthew 19, 13. Says here, then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them, and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. See, they didn't understand the importance of children to to God and to Christ, and and so you know, children were coming up to Jesus, and, and they were trying to you know stop them and keep them from coming, and. And uh, Jesus had to rebuke his disciples, saying, let them, let them come to me. Don't stop them. Let them come. And uh, they didn't understand the importance. And so Jesus had to, to rebuke them and show them that uh, children were important to him. Um, so tonight, you may think, you know, well, that's great that, you know, we've, we've got these words that, but Jesus is no longer here on earth to speak to us and to help us. Well, that's why he gave us the Bible. That's why he gave us his word. Romans fifteen four says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Second Timothy three sixteen says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. You see, even though Jesus may not be speaking to us verbally every single day like he was able to with the disciples, he's given us his book. And we can learn and we can listen to it every single day as well. Uh, you know, the counsel that and the, the words that he shared with his disciples didn't end with his disciples. They're there for us today. They're there for us. when I mean, when we're going through times of defeat and discouragement, go to the Bible. He will be able to encourage and comfort you. Maybe you're going through some, some hard times in your life and, 
and you just need counsel and you just you need wisdom on what to do and some decisions, go to the Bible. He has words of counsel for you. And, uh, and sometimes you just need a rebuke and he also has words of rebuke and shows you what we should and what we shouldn't be doing. Um, but actually, in truth, every single time you come to church, you're given this form of love. I mean, every single time you come to the service, you're getting a free counseling session. <laughs> uh, you're being, um, you know, you're when 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 you're hearing the preaching of the Word of God, you're hearing words of encouragement, you're hearing words of counsel, and also you're hearing words of reproof when you listen to preaching, and um, it's all contained in that. And um, but why? It's because those who preach God's word are doing it to feed the sheep. Not only just to feed the sheep, but also to strengthen them. Each one of us needs all three of these types of words to grow stronger in our walk with God. We all need it. And so when someone's up there preaching the word of God, they may be, rep- may be rebuking, you know, and they're not specifically pointing out your sin, but when they're, when they're rebuking sin and and it might be something that you're doing. They're doing it because they love you. Because they want you to avoid disaster. They want you to avoid the consequences of what that sin could do in your life. And, um, and so when, when, when there's someone up there preaching and they're, they're pouring their heart out to you and they're trying to help you and to counsel you and encourage you, they're doing it because they love you. They're trying to love the brethren. Um, but words alone are not the only way that we're supposed to show, show love to the brethren. These words alone are not the only way. It's only one method. And hopefully this month we'll be able to see other methods that Christ demonstrated to His disciples as an example of of real love. Uh, 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, our words, they do show love to a degree. But it doesn't end there. That's only just one small form of love that we can show the brethren. But we need to take it a step up sometimes and show it in action. And that's a whole other message for another time. Um, but um, these are words that we, we should all practice. We should, all, we should be able to encourage each other. We should be able to offer counsel to each other. And if need be, we should be able to be there and say, you know what, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And being able to reprove others when they when they need it, and um, these are just a few of the words that that um, and examples that Christ showed the disciples. And if we take those to heart, I think we'll be able to be a blessing to each other, and to strengthen each other, and to show our love for each one of us as brethren. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your word. I um, thank you, Lord, for the example that you set to your disciples that um, of how we're supposed to love each other. Uh, because, again, love is such a, a changing definition in this world. We all have different views of, of love as we are raised, and, and um, maybe some homes didn't have love. Maybe some homes were very close, and we, and we know how the intimacy of love is. But, um, Lord, you demonstrated and you showed us exactly how we're supposed to love each other as brethren. And I pray, God, that, Lord, you just help us to encourage each other. God, that we would serve each other and help each other. And Lord, as the day approaches, that we won't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Lord, because we need each other. Father, I thank you again for your 
love and your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.